Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good afternoon. Welcome to this session on, it would be probably useful to know, a design for living meditation and practice. My name is David. I am a sexaholic. I will uh, be kind of not facilitating this session. I am joined by Harvey A. and Malcolm, whose last initial I don't know yet. P. And Malcolm T. Malcolm T. Uh, Each of us will share our recovery on the topic of meditation and practice. Then we will take time uh, at the end, assuming there is, there probably will be, uh, questions from, to be read from the Ask It Basket, which is somewhere on that. If we don't use the Ask It Basket, what we'll do is ask you to stay your question, we'll repeat it so it's on the tape, on the recording, and, uh, and then respond. If you wish to participate, if you can write your question down or at least have it ready to share, that would help. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. After a moment of silence, would you please open with the serenity prayer? (laughs) Serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. And I think Harvey will be first. Is that all right? Go for it. I surrender. <laughs> but you do have to come up here. Oh, okay. Uh, I let Lee do it. I don't want it to fall. I don't even need this microphone, but for Lee, we better use it. I'm Harvey Asher, sexaholic. I've been sexually sober 35 years and 10 months, one day at a time. Um, All I have to give you is my story, even about meditation. The minute I give you something other than my story, that's going to be a speech or a lecture. So I'm going to tell you a little about my adventure with meditation. I don't know what Dave's going to say, uh, and we're blessed having him here. But let me tell you, we have a man here, Malcolm, who's traveled all over the world knowing about meditation learning about it, and actually doing it. And it's, we're really fortunate today. He's also my sponsee, so I had to say a few good words about it. <laughs> he might fire me otherwise. <laughs> I had no idea he was going to be speaking. And I found out yesterday, when he called me or something, <laughs> And I watched my fear go up. My God, Malcolm is an expert. And I'm such a newcomer. (laughs) And then the mindfulness came. Ah, fear. It's only a thought or a feeling. It's not real. So what happens? For decades, I would read about meditation. It says it actually in the steps. (laughs) But most of us learn to see the 11th step 
from our religious background. So we don't see the word meditation. It's amazing how much we block out because of programming. So we don't see that word usually. Just like we don't see the word lust in the first step. We see the word acting out or prostitution. So we don't see that word. Well, after many years, I kind of saw it and I talked to my sponsor about it. And apparently he didn't meditate every day. And so he said, oh, Harvey, you just meditate all the time from your program. Man, I wanted to hear that from him. So I didn't have to do formal meditation, which I did know a bit about while I was acting out and drinking and lusting. And this I used to do TM, Transcendental Meditation. And sometimes it got confused with my acting out with other people. See, everything gets confused with me with acting out until I'm in recovery. And so years went by, and I started about four or five years ago with an app doing a little bit, five, ten minutes. And like everything else, uh, went. And then about four years ago, five years ago, they brought to Nashville to our essay workshop, local workshop, a speaker from AA who just did the workshop on meditation. I got so moved by it that I went out the door, found my sponsee who wanted to start meditating, and I said, I'm going to start meditating every day. And then I looked at him and I said, I'm so full of shit. (laughs) I will do it for two weeks like I always do, and then I will stop for years. That's my patterns. And then I said, would you be my accountability partner? And for three months, we texted or called each other after we had meditated for a few minutes. After about three months, I called him. I said, I don't have to call you anymore. I noticed something in my life had changed. Couldn't tell you what it was. Over the past five years, I've gone from five, ten minutes to 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I do an hour every day. I miss occasionally. I have an app and I do an hour a day. If I miss two days... I notice something's wrong with me. I can't describe it. And I also notice I'm more in my head. How much more time do I have? Seven and a half. I have another universe in my head. When I'm in the shower, I have no way of knowing I'm having hot water on me. I'm talking to people and having arguments. (laughs) Or I'm taking care of a problem I need to have. Over these past five years, I catch it very, very quickly. And lo and behold, I feel the hot water. I actually see the water coming out of the shower. Now, don't forget, showers used to be something else for me years ago. But this is a talk on meditation. We don't want to get too real. 
um, I don't think my wife knows what is. She can't get over what's happening. So, and now when I say I'm going in for an hour, I think she's so delighted that I'm going to go go meditate. But what's behind it for me? My story. I'm 80 years old, but I still work. I have a job uh, because I'm greedy and um, frightened that I won't have enough. It's one of the promises that have not happened. The other promises have happened. Not my fear of financial insecurity. That's just who I am right now, today. So, I used to get overwhelmed at my job, run late a bit in my mind, and all of a sudden I get a thought, I'm going to quit this lousy job. I'm getting out of here. Now, since I've been meditating and learning and doing mindfulness, which hopefully someone will talk about, watching the water by the bank of the water, watching it flow by, not jumping in it, because my thoughts are identical to that. They're just thoughts flowing and flowing, but I'll grab one, and that's it. I'll jump in the water. When it would pass in a second, millisecond. And so I started realizing that when I want to quit my job, it's because I'm having an anxiety attack. That's how my anxiety's showing up. Now I have a tool. Harvey, you're watching your anxiety. Take in three deep inhales and exhales. It's so simple, you can't believe it. It's like the realization that you're not going to masturbate if you don't touch your penis. I mean, what a great thought that is. <laughs> Einstein probably couldn't have figured that one out. I don't know why people are laughing at what I'm saying here. <laughs> <laughs> this program is so simple most people can't get it meditation breathing mindfulness is so simple most people are too intimidated by it it's very simple and the interesting part this many of you have learned <gasps> That's from the East. That's from other religions, man. Once you see it, you'll start beginning to see it in your own religion. It's there, but it hasn't been emphasized. It's amazing what's here that we don't see. Amazing. Because of most of what we see is not real. We're seeing everything through our perceptions. So I now get actual moments of this thing that I thought was just awful. I thought when I'd ask my wife, what are you thinking about? And she'd say nothing. I thought she was brain damaged. <laughs> I married some kind of dum-dum. She's not thinking of anything. I'm actually getting some of that. <laughs> there was a, uh, he was a professor, and I'd go to AA meetings with him. He's been dead a long time now. Go to AA meetings with him, and he'd say his boss didn't know if he was retarded or serene. <laughs> That's not a politically correct word, but uh, disabled. Next. 
or serene. You know, most of us are chaos addicts. If we're not getting shot up with adrenaline, we don't know what to do. There's a guy who calls it pain body. We get so identified with our chaos body. <laughs> I'll substitute a word of his pain. Chaos body, that without it, we don't know if we're real. Well, we aren't real. How can I be my body when my body has been so different over the past 80 years? But my inside, whatever that is, has been there since I've been an infant. It never changes. That nothingness, that quiet. That silence, <clears throat> the silence that most of us are so afraid of. Why? Because we start realizing that a higher power is the ocean and we're a wave, that we're totally higher power, but we're not the higher power. We're just, and he's another wave, and Dave's another wave. And we look down, we're all the ocean, connected with ocean. And it has nothing to do with our head, our body, mind, mind. And so, I will let it be continued, who knows what David's going to say, that Malcolm could fill us in. And I have a lot of nerve getting up here talking about meditation at my stage of meditating. But I'm here for a purpose, or else I wouldn't have been asked to talk on this subject. Thanks for being here. My name is David Maynard. I am a sexaholic. And um, on Tuesday night, uh, August 2nd, 1988, I walked into my first SA meeting on the third floor. I think it was from 343 of the West End United Methodist Church here in Nashville. And um, there were a bunch of guys there. Uh, there was one guy there who knew me uh, because um, we had professional connections. I wasn't surprised to see him because his arrest had been on the front page of the paper. Um, <laughs> He told me later he wasn't surprised to see me. <laughs> and at that first night, we read this, they read the solution. I was just sitting there, paralyzed. Well, I wasn't paralyzed, but I was definitely just there. And uh, it came to the last sentence of it. We were making the real... In fact, uh, after 31 years, I still get emotional about it. Um, we were making the real connection. We were home. And I realized, or it just came welling up in me, I cried a lot in those first days, um, that uh, I had been looking for a home. I was 42. I was looking for, had been looking for a home at least since age six. Um, I later pushed it back to age four, but it was a long time. And it turns out there were other things I was uh, doing uh, relating to this topic of meditation uh, that were also relevant. Um, so one thing I did that I thought was really useful is um, I, I decided, uh, Harvey mentioned uh, many of us come out of our own religious practice. I, I made a profession out of that. I thought that would fix me because I knew at 13 something was really wrong, which turned out to be correct. And... Um, and then uh, when I got into my occupation, I decided, well, one of the most important things that I could do was to teach sex education and teach human sexuality. So I did that. Um, and then along the way, I thought, you know, the other thing I need to teach is meditation. So I taught meditation. Uh, so when Harvey mentioned uh, the TM thing a minute ago, it, it just brought back a lot of those memories. And uh, as is often the case when we look back on 
uh, earlier times in our lives. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, what I was was desperate, trying to find a place that was home, a place where I fit in, a place where uh, I wasn't uh, constantly uh, just manipulated by these crazy passions and thoughts and and uh, and sadly behaviors uh, in my life that had uh, swept into my life. They were well in place uh, by age 13, and um, and it started at least uh, I have to subtract here at least nine years before that. And um, and by the time I uh, got to age 42, uh, they were uh, really uh, pretty powerful forces. So I came in and I, I worked the steps, worked the steps, go to meetings, trust God. And uh, that's what we say. Uh, trust God, clean house, help others. That's another thing we say. And uh, it's I was very concerned about that God stuff because... Um, I'd been raised an atheist. Uh, in my particular line of work, being an atheist was not a problem. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do about God. And I'd been around the periphery of Alcoholics Anonymous for a number of years at that point for other reasons. And, um, and I thought, what am I, what am I going to do? And then I did decide, you know, God gave us brains to use, so use your brains. And God does not make an appearance in the steps till step three. So I thought, well, at least I'll work steps one and two. And uh, then we'll see what happens with step three. Uh, and I did that. Uh, did my first step. It took two Thursday nights uh, to get through it. Uh, I remember um, uh, looking at the group sitting around. It was like a conference table uh, in another church. And, um, and thinking, you know, I'm sharing this stuff. Is there this really personal stuff with a lot of these people? And, and uh, I wonder what they'll do with it. Well, most of them never came back. Um, <laughs> It didn't have anything to do with me. It was just the nature uh, of the program, and um, but some have and some have continued to come back to this very day, um, for which I'm very grateful. And um, things began to calm down. I came up to uh, step three. I wondered what to do, and Harvey, who um, was functioning as an Erzat sponsor frequently. Um, said, "Well, David, are you willing to work steps four through twelve? And I said, "Sure." And uh, he said, good, you're on your fourth step. Do your fourth step. And uh, I've gone back and redone step three many times. And yet what I needed that time was to just jump from two to four um, and do what the third step says, which is to work those steps. All of which is to get me up toward uh, step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And when I sort of befuddled my way up through step nine and then step ten, of course, is the everyday step. Um, On page 86, if you're not sure where to find it in the big book. And... um, and I got to the prayer and meditation, and I had gone through the history uh, that I mentioned a minute ago with it, meditation, and, and I really wanted what the big book has and what 12 and 12 offers. And I found myself trying to be as literal about the step as possible. And in some sense, in terms of practicing meditation, that's what I'm sharing here now. So the first word is sought. We, well, the first word is we, as a matter of fact. Um, there is nothing in the 12 steps that doesn't begin with the word we, and that is not because it was some literary cuteness. Uh, it's because that's how this program works in my experience. We sought through prayer and meditation. In other words, we do it as a we. We do it not necessarily physically together. Uh, maybe we do, maybe we don't. We do it, of course, when we do the serenity prayer in our meetings. Uh, Sometimes we have quiet time in the meetings. Um, It's still something that is part of our collective experience. Uh, And one of the many reasons, there are many, many reasons, one of the many reasons I really trust and throw myself into the arms of 12-step spiritual recovery is at least in the books that we use, the AA Big Book and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions and our White Book and Recovery Continues, there is nothing there that isn't there because it worked. That's a pretty good selling point. 
if you do this, it'll work. Uh, it works if you work it and all that stuff. And that was very attractive to me from the very beginning and, and hasn't changed at all. So we sought through prayer and meditation. So to have prayer and meditation as part of that seeking is just fundamental. It's not some accidental. Now, it is does come at step 11 in terms of clearing out an awful lot of stuff, which needs to be cleared out. So fine, that's what it's for. And one of my contentions um, is that everything in 12-step recovery, in my experience, is there to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. And um, it was oh, within the first month that Harvey uh, also said to me, David, the only thing you have to know about your higher power is it's not you. To this very moment, that is still sinking in. I'm sure it'll get in there someday. <laughs> um, and so that opens up a lot of territory. And one thing I was told early on, um, I think it may have been on an AA tape, I'm actually not sure exactly where it came from, um, is that at every meeting, there will be one person who says the one thing that I need to hear that day, only I don't know who it is, and I don't know when they're going to say it. So I better pay attention if I want to hear it, and more importantly, the best way for me to pay attention, I was doing it while Harvey was talking, uh, is to close my eyes, because I'm visually distracted easily, to close my eyes and be able to repeat what everybody has said around the table. Sometimes that's hard if it's a really big meeting. Nonetheless, it's a good exercise, and, uh, and usually I can get, get through all of it. And, and somewhere in that setting, in that identification, I will hear that one thing. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. That is what I attempt to do every day, is to improve it. Uh, Hopefully it'll get better. Praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And in that last part of step 11 is the only real quarrel I have with with the 12 steps. And that is, I think the word only in step 11 should be in bright neon orange ink. I don't think black ink is nearly sufficient to carry the weight. Praying only for knowledge of God's will for us. I don't have to know anything else. We just have to know what's in front of us. What's the next thing that my higher power wants me to do? As I was listening to Harvey and I was thinking about talking, I was thinking, what have, what have been my sort of aspirations uh, in meditation? Uh, one is the thing Harvey said. I didn't know, I'd forgotten where it came from. I mean, I knew it came from AA here in Nashville, uh, which is I'd rather be serene than uh, mentally deficient. I guess we don't say that other word as much. But um, I tell people I'm trying to get to that point. I'd rather be serene than retarded. And sometimes people say things that indicate I'm on the right path, which I appreciate. Another is an image uh, I had from a comic strip that was uh, done in the early 1970s of Mr. Natural, who uh, is going to go and sit and meditate and he finds a place somewhere in New Mexico and sits on the ground and meditates. And, and in the panel after panel, an entire, first of all, a couple of buildings appear behind him and then an entire uh, community and then an entire city. And then there's some, some entire war and then there's all the buildings are crumbling and then the wind blows and it's down to just a couple of buildings behind him again. And then in the last panel, uh, or next to last panel, uh, everything is blown away, and Mr. Natural is still sitting there. Uh, and then in the final panel, he opens his eyes and says, Wow, that was good. Uh, and that's kind of a goal, not to let the world go by, per se, without my responding to it. Just to let the world go by, just to be. Harvey mentioned mindfulness. Uh, in the particular, uh, my employer uh, we actually published Thich Nhat Hanh, who was the uh, person who has popularized mindfulness in our culture, uh, not alone anymore. Of course, it's very popular. It's very common. And yet the whole thing is exactly what Harvey described a few minutes ago, to learn how to sit in this present moment and to be in this present moment and to use whatever tools and practice, practice meditation uh, to get there, to be in this present moment. And that's what I try to do. Uh, I've been given lots of help. Um, 
My sponsor, Jess, taught me the uh, shortest prayer that he knew was God help me. And you can get a lot of them into 60 seconds, he said. Uh, and I've used that for many years. Uh, about, oh, 10 or 12 years ago, I actually switched over, though, to another prayer uh, that I use a lot more, actually, which is thank you, God. Um, it's based on something Harvey taught me, actually, at 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, somewhere in late August 1988, um, which is, David, you've got to just get up and uh, write a list of negative gratitudes. I said, what are those? And he said, well, everything that happens in your mind that's negative is serves some purpose, so just write down what it is. So thank you, God, for my anxiety about standing up here and talking about meditation, which reminds me that you've been operating in my life all along. Uh, for the last 31 years. So that would be the kind of thing I do. What negative gratitude list does is clear out the garbage. If I clear out the mental garbage, then I can be present. I can be in this moment. And so I use the negative gratitudes, and a lot of times I just say, thank you, God. Um, Well, not a lot of times. I say, thank you, God, constantly, uh, just as a way of clearing out the garbage. Everything that happens uh, is a way for uh, the garbage to be cleared out so that I can just be present. Um, and I realized that not two couple of things about being present. Uh, one, being present is the only place I can actively connect with my higher power, with the God is on my understanding. Oh, by the way, I've long since left the atheism behind. Um, and uh, my poor sponsees, they put up with a lot. And, um, and the only place I can be present and and secondly, um, I realized that both the past, Harvey basically said this in a slightly different way a minute, a few minutes ago, both the past and the future are nothing more than fantasies. And for better or worse, guys, I'm standing here today in Sexaholics Anonymous because fantasies are not my friend. They just are not my friend. And so staying out of fantasies, past or future, is, is just safer for me, and it's a lot more comfortable and a lot more fun, quite frankly. And staying in the present moment is always just absolutely wonderful. I do have a knee-jerk reaction watching my timer here. Whoops, I lost it. Um, Oh, there it goes. Um, I do have a knee-jerk reaction when someone says, typical teenager, talk to, I'm bored. (laughs) And all that means is someone's, A, they're so addicted to adrenaline they can't imagine a feeling in their life without adrenaline, and B, um, the, um, they're just not paying attention because the world is absolutely astounding. Uh, Harvey described me as a wave a few minutes ago, which is true. Uh, I'm also a particle, which is true. In fact, I don't know at any given moment which one I am. Uh, I seem to go back and forth. Uh, don't we all? You know, if you start with that kind of thinking, it can take you a lot of interesting places. Um, it only works in the present, though, not in the past or the future. The last thing I'll say about meditation is um, between thank you, God, and sitting quietly in the morning, doing a contract for sobriety, and, um, and then stopping myself during the day uh, to improve my conscious contact with God as I understand it, we understand him, um, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out. When I do that, and I do attempt to practice it, uh, life just takes care of itself. It turns out uh, nobody ever asked me to do anything other than to let life take care of itself and see myself as a part of that pattern. And with that, I'll stop and turn it over to Malcolm. I'm Malcolm in recovering from the bondage of self. Everybody, um, that's my favorite line in the program, recovering from the bondage of self. Because self, uh, I didn't know what self was, but um, I've come to recognize that self is just my thoughts, feelings, and attitudes. It's uh, what goes on all the time. It's... um, what gets me in trouble. And meditation is simply going from being identified with the current thought and feeling that's here, that's in my body, to just watching it, 
to letting go of the identification of the stream of thought and sensation in my body. Um, it's very easy to say, um, but I, being a human being, am addicted to this ego, to this thinkingness. And the more identified I am with it, uh, the more raw my emotions are. Uh, the experience of life is uh, its very constricted. But the less I'm identified, the more I meditate, the more I witness and observe this thought stream, the more I practice just watching, not trying to change it, not resisting it, not controlling it, just letting it be whatever it is, whether it's lust or fear or anger, or usually it's just subtle, some subtle form of resistance of life. It's the opposite of accepting life on life's terms. And that's not because I'm addicted that's just because I'm part, it's part of the human process. We come in like that, some more than others. But for me, meditation has given me the space to just see through so much guilt and shame and fear that I don't know how I would have done it otherwise. Um, it... it, it it gave me more awareness. And that awareness is so invaluable in interpreting what goes on in my daily life. Um, somebody could have sat here and say what I'm saying right now, and I would just interpret it as a concept. Because concepts don't do us much good. But the experience does us a lot of good. And the one thing about meditation is, and I'm giving you a concept, is that we are not our thoughts and feelings and attitudes. We are that which is aware of them. We are the water in a fishbowl. We're not the fish. The fish are the thoughts and the feelings. We're the water. Another analogy, I've got several of them, and nothing I say is original. I've just been taught by good people. Nothing's mine, and everything I need to say, everything I'm saying, I need to hear. Um, sky, we're, we're the sky, not the clouds. Harvey mentioned we're the ocean, not the waves, or really we're both depending on what perspective we're looking at. We're the screen on a TV. We're the screen, not the movie on the screen. And being the screen, we cannot be tarnished in any way by what goes on in the movie. Unless we decide that, you know, we're punished by our sins, not for our sins. It's how we interpret it. It's how we make ourselves wrong and bad. It's our thoughts and beliefs and attitudes. So um, I want to take a few minutes and do a short guided meditation. The one thing the mind doesn't want to do is meditate. It wants to know all about meditation. <laughs> it's fine learning all about meditation. Reading books and talking about it, it's great. Keep on doing that, just don't meditate. <laughs> and really, meditation, it's not what we do. It's not something we do. It's what we are when we accept life. It's what we are when we're not controlling. It's what we are when we let go of the identification with these 
whatever's going on up here. We know this is our problem. Selfishness, self-centeredness, self-delusion. It's all got that self in there. Relieve us from the bondage of self. For me, uh, I have degrees of doing that the more I meditate because I get space. I, I start like this, and as I meditate, this is me. I move out. I get bigger. My awareness grows. So what happens within this awareness is right-sized. It's not as big. But when I'm here and a little fear and anger and lust come up, it's a big deal. It's all I know. But when I'm here, it's okay. It doesn't stop it. It still comes. One quick example. Today, just a couple hours ago, um, I had just finished building a nice brick mailbox. And uh, I just cleaned up my car. And I was backing in my driveway. And I <laughs> backed into my beautiful brick mailbox. <laughs> and, and, you know... Car scratch, busted out the light, dented it, you know. I was like, and I didn't notice till after, but I got out and I looked at it and I picked up the pieces and, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I, 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 later, in the moment, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I got shaken. I got shaken. But, you know, I'm not trying to make this not happen. Whatever's happening here and here, I'm not trying to make it not happen. It's just, I'm not so identified. So my experience of it is totally different. I looked at that and I did not, I mean, I had the thought, you know, you dumbass. But I, it, did, it didn't bother me. It was just a thought, you know. It was just a thought and it, you know, and it went. It was like, that's not me. How could that be me if something that comes and goes? You know, how could that be essential to what I am? Okay, so just take a minute. The big thing about meditation to start with is just to rest and relax and stop trying to figure stuff out and to get something, even from what I'm saying and what everybody's saying, is just rest. So we'll take a minute. Take a deep breath in. And to let it out slowly. Just to let it out slowly. And then just allow another breath to come in. And to let that out slowly. We're not doing anything. Just relax the head. Relax the mind. Relax thought. We rarely just relax thought. Relax the shoulders. Let the breathing do what it does. Relax the body and the legs. Down to the feet. And maybe move your attention from being in your head to below your navel or even in your feet. If it feels right. If not, don't do anything. We're just resting. We're just letting go of trying to control anything. This is acceptance. This is just Letting things be as they are. Whatever thoughts are there, maybe it's, I'm not doing it right. I wish she'd stop telling me what to do. Or, or whatever it is. Just let it be okay. Because it's really not our thoughts that cause the problems. It's the resistance to the thoughts. It's the resistance to the feelings. If we just let them be, they'll pass through on their own time. 
So we're just letting everything be what it is. You may notice your mind trying to think something, but notice that you're noticing your mind. You're not your mind. You are, there is your thoughts, sensations in the body, and there's the awareness of those. Just put the attention, put the emphasis on the awareness of versus the thoughts and the feelings. And just notice, is that awareness agitated? No. Does that awareness need anything? No. That awareness is serene, just like it is. So the more we can go about our daily life and do everything we need to do and still be aware of the presence of this serenity, the presence of this silence, of this awareness. It's always there, closer than our hands and our feet. Always there as us, because that's what we are. That's eternal. That was never born and will never die. It doesn't change. We're just noticing that. There's probably still thoughts and things going on, and that's totally fine. We spend most of our lives identified with thoughts and feelings or objects outside of ourself and not looking at what our true self is. That serenity. So there's nothing to do. Just be. Just be. You can relax. You can stay right where you are. You can open your eyes. We're going to open it up to questions here. So if anybody has a question, they can uh, write it on one of the cards. Or I guess you could speak it out. Thank you. My name is Stanford Alma. Is that college? Hi, Stanford. Thank you so much for uh, your shares. It's been really beneficial for me. Um, I feel like I had a really good meditation process in my life. And then I had a baby. And now he's three, and I feel like I haven't had a meditation practice for three years. Yeah. Uh, when things seem urgent that I'm responsible for, I don't know how to slow down enough to have that space. Can you speak to that? So the question is, I had a meditation practice, uh, then I had a baby, which is remarkable. Thank you. Um, and um, I was being obnoxious there, I apologize. And then um, your meditation practice has never resumed and you miss it, and you would like to resume it. Is that, um, I'll, I'll say something briefly and then Harvey, maybe Malcolm. Um, one thing I encourage people that I talk with about this, um, I have several things floating in my head here, um, is only count the times you do something. Don't pay any attention to the times you don't do it. Um, so anytime you do take a little bit of time, just give yourself credit for it. And, and, the, and the other thing, Noel B. in Atlanta used to really emphasize this. Um, take an amount, f- figure out something you want to do, 
and uh, daily. See if you can do it, like maybe five minutes of sitting, meditation or whatever. You can use what Malcolm was just walking us through and, and see how it goes. And if you can do five minutes, great. If you can't do five minutes, cut it to two and a half. If you can't do two and a half, cut it to one and a quarter. If you can't do one and a quarter, which is what, 75 seconds, cut it to 37 and a half seconds. Keep cutting it until you find an amount you can do every day. And again, remember, only count the times you do it, not the times you don't do it. And then you have a foundation. And no matter what foundation we're talking about in a building or in our lives, it started with a single shovel full, which is probably 37 seconds worth of something. And then we build on that. So those are things. And I have more, but that's enough floating. Hardy. That comes uh, close to my heart because I work a few days a week and I get up at five and I have to cross town and there's traffic and get to where I work. And I notice sometimes as I'm walking out of my house, going into the steps to get my car in the garage, I am so speeded up. God, i got to get there. Traffic me. Now, through mindfulness, I'm watching, I'm speeded up, and I stand still, and I do three deep breaths and three exhales. I'm telling you, it's so simple, people can't believe it. We all want to sit in those ashrams and just do it hour after breath. That's really all there is in life. Breath. So relax and take three. Not relax. We can't relax. Take the three breaths. Then you'll relax. And exhale. Do not breathe in without equal exhaling or you'll get yourself hyperventilated, which causes an anxiety attack. So be real careful that you, as well as breathing in. I think those are all good suggestions. I would add um, to uh, listen to or read uh, benefits of meditation because you're just believing a thought that you don't have time. Because there's always, there's always time. There's always five minutes. There's always ten minutes. And for me, when I started reading, well, uh, step 11 in the 12 and 12 particularly has so many benefits of meditation that, I mean, I just couldn't, could not do it. So your mind's just, is telling you stuff and you're kind of, you know, I mean, yes, it's harder. It's difficult. But, uh, once your mind kind of gets on your side and sees the benefit of it, it won't be uh, showing you so many obstacles to it. Uh, the question was, um, is there something wrong if I usually fall asleep during meditation? How do I avoid that? Uh, it's a good question. It's a common question. Uh, it's okay to fall asleep. You're still, you're still meditating, and it's okay to fall asleep. Now, if you continue to do that, um, you might want to set up straighter or something. But uh, in my experience, uh, I would fall asleep some, but then that would go away. But the best thing is that you're, you have the willingness to sit and meditate. And uh, maybe your body needs sleep. You know, That's it. Has anybody else got something? Uh, just a story about Sam, who always fell asleep during the rabbi's sermons uh, at the synagogue. And finally, one day, the rabbi couldn't stand it anymore and said, Sam, why do you always fall asleep during my sermons? Sam yawned and said, Rabbi, would I fall asleep if I didn't trust you? <laughs> um, I, think, I think what was just said was was excellent. And just to remember, falling asleep in and of itself is fine. If you need more sleep, then do something about it. Uh, at the same time, uh, just don't count the times you don't do it. Just count the times you do it. Um, if we're going to end on time, we're there. If we're going over, we can do one more. What's the vote? Yeah, I'm going to answer. Oh, okay. I think Harvey's it, and then we'll close. It's so bad for me. 
my wife could hear me snoring sometimes. But what I had learned to do is I sit up straight, and I don't think I'm asleep at times. I've had to wear a neck pillow. One of those round things. This is the middle of it. My neck would go over and I'd get a stiff neck from meditating. <laughs> so I learned that. But over a period of time, I'm now even being mindful that I'm going into a dream state. Very interesting. I didn't know what it was. But you start seeing this isn't real. I must be in light sleep. And then you're able, at least that's what I'm finding. We'll go ahead and close because I have 46, uh, I mean, 44. Um, And then I think the three of us are probably able to stay up here for a while. So people have any questions. Anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of essay are found under 12 steps and 12 traditions. And I invite us, let's see if we can make a circle. I think we can do it. Let's close with the seventh step prayer. What time is dinner? It's 4.45 right now. No, what time is dinner? 6.30. Here. I love you all, but I don't want to miss dinner. <laughs> <laughs> After a moment of silence, let's close with the third step prayer. Third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me in the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back and works in the world so work and enjoy it.
like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.